Welcome back to What is a Campus Pastor. My name is Frank and I'm glad that you are here because today I get to interview Jason Vanderpaul from River Glen Christian Church out in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Again, another local friend of mine. I was able to meet him through a Campus Pastor Network. We talk a little bit about that in the show. But uh, he has an interesting background. He comes from an XP background into a campus pastor role. We talk about uh, uh, gathering people. We talk about being incarnational in our community. Uh, it was, it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Before we go to the show again, please check out our Instagram. Uh, uh, follow us there. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And uh, there's one more episode after this. And after that, I want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. Uh, thank you for helping me understand what is a campus pastor. I think I figured it out, but we'll see after this episode. All right, enjoy the show. Hey, I am so excited. I am here with Jason. He's He's another brother who is actually not far from me. Um, uh, you know, when I first started this podcast, I was trying to reach out to all my networks of pastors from across the country. And right when I started this podcast was right in the time, around the time where I was notified, I realized that there is a, a campus pastor network in our, in our, in our area, which I realized is a gift. It's a blessing. It's, it's probably rare for for it to be such a niche network of a campus pastor network but uh right around the time we started this podcast when the time i started joining this network meeting so many awesome people who are campus pastors in the area and jason is one of them so jason what i would love for you to do is for you to tell introduce yourself tell us about your church your campus how long you've been at your church all that kind of good stuff you got it my man but before i do on behalf of campus pastors everywhere we all owe you a debt of gratitude for uh, putting this podcast together and just uh sharing in the passion uh to give all of us campus pastors uh just uh, a brethren and a community to be a part of um you above all people would know it is a very unique role uh very subjective very relative depending on where you're at in the country and what church you're a part of and what denomination that church is a part of etc cetera, etc cetera. And uh, here's you, man, just like planting a flag uh, in the middle of the storm so we can all have some, some uh, community with each other and encouragement. And so thank you, man. Uh, and you're just a cool guy, too. So we all just we all can learn some cool from Frank. So thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate um, it. I appreciate it. My name is Jason Vanderpaul and uh, been in ministry now full time for about 12 years. I've uh, been a campus pastor for two and a half years, and I serve at a church called River Glen Christian Church. Uh, it's based in Waukesha. Uh, Wisconsin, not far from uh, Milwaukee, where my friend Frank is from. That's really only, you know, I don't know, probably about a 15, 20 minute drive from our, our respective churches, uh, which is great. Um, been a part of River Glen for, for two and a half years. And uh, my campus is in a city called Pewaukee, uh, which is uh, actually closer to my house than our main campus, which is nice uh, when you drive a big truck. So that's been neat. Been uh, been in the role now. Absolutely love it. Gotten to meet, as Frank said, uh, a bunch of a bunch of other guys around town. Uh, we're all trying to do the same thing, and uh, it's nice to it's nice to have some encouragement from each other. Uh, it's been it's been really neat meeting all these campus pastors, also because they come from so many like you guys out in Pewaukee and Waukesha is very different than Milwaukee. And I think what's really cool about this network that I think was valuable to even have this podcast 
is not just to hear the nuances of multi-site, but hear the nuances of multi-site in different contexts. And so hearing how you all do it in Waukesha and Pewaukee and over there in like Lake Country is so different than how you know multi-site is kind of being done here in in Milwaukee, and it's different than how it's done in Chicago and then Texas and. And so it's 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 cool uh, connecting with you. But uh, tell me more about River Glen's uh, multi-site sure. model, right? How many locations, video venue, life preaching dynamic? Are you preaching? And then if you can share a little bit about like the staffing structure uh, over at River Glen. Sure, absolutely. River Glen uh, was planted in 1997. Uh, ben Davis is our lead and founding pastor. He is still here, still going strong. Um, my campus was launched in 2018. Uh, by one of our elders at the church at the time. Uh, they tapped him on the shoulder to get the campus off the ground. It's the first physical campus uh, at River Glen. And so he uh, came on staff, as as did his wife, and they got the campus going in fall of 2018. Had a great run. Uh, and then we were all kind of had our knees taken out from under us uh, by COVID. Um, uh, the, the, the church, by God's grace, uh, was able to muscle through that, reopened. Uh, by the middle of summer of 2020, and then uh, have been putting putting the pieces back together ever since. Then in 2021, uh, that uh, campus pastor retired, which was always his plan. He 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 uh, he'd only ever given uh, a commitment to get the thing open, and uh, by his grace, nursed it through COVID, and then gave his notice. He gave a one year notice, and uh, I had a relationship with River Glen. Uh, the executive pastor here is a good friend of mine. He's uh, he's tattooed. He's from San Diego, and he eats sushi. So clearly, we're going to be friends. And uh, he had, he called me and said, uh, keep an eye out for uh, a potential campus pastor for this role. Little did I know at the time I was on the phone with him that that was going to end up being me. But that was, uh, was about two and a half years ago. Uh, and as far as uh, our model goes, I mean, you know this, uh, campus multi-site models are <laughs> pretty unique. They're pretty subjective. Um, however, we're a pretty stock model. Um, nothing super uh, uh, revolutionary, I think, from us. We have two physical campuses and an online campus. Uh, we are streaming uh, live via, um, I think we use the BoxCast product. We changed to that earlier this year. And so we stream we stream in real time, 99.2% uh, of the time. And I'll explain that in a second if you're curious. Um, and I get to teach. I'm on the teaching team, was invited to be a part of that. Uh, about every seven or eight weeks or so, I drive over to the broadcast campus and get a chance to teach and say hi to all my friends in Pewaukee from the other side of the camera for a change, which is which has been great. Um, I was in the role as a campus pastor for a couple months before my first teaching weekend. And uh, it was just it was really neat to be able to um, speak to the campus I get a chance to lead from the broadcast through the cameras and uh, um, have a chance to just celebrate and love on them. And I've been given the green light anytime I teach uh, to brag on what God's doing over in Pewaukee and to, uh, to make it as personal as possible, which is wonderful. And, uh, and I appreciate that. The 99.2% the of the time is we, we've got, the, our Waukesha campus has a Saturday night service and we capture that on, a, on an SD card and then we broadcast up to the cloud. So we've got several layers of redundancy in case you know, the, the hamster that's powering the internet goes down. Um, and last year, Christmas Eve, we made, I won't say foolish, I'll say the ambitious decision to have our, our first Christmas Eve service run simultaneously at both the campuses. And of all the services in the history of Pewaukee, that's where we hit DEFCON 5 and the thing just crashed and burned. And we sat and we fiddled with it for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight minutes. And my tech guy hollers from the tech booth, it ain't happening, Jason, you're up. 
And so I got to stand on stage and deliver our lead pastor's Christmas Eve message in front of a, a room full of people. And, and it was, it was great. Not something I ever want to do again, uh, but it was great. I, and again, as only God could do this, the theme for, for Christmas Eve last year was what happens when plan A falls apart. That was the, the title of his message. <laughs> so it worked out well. Um, as far as staffing goes, you'd asked about that. Uh, we have a, a smaller staff. There's four of us two full-timers and two part-timers. I have a full-time uh, groups guy who also does our middle school ministry at our, uh, our our broadcast campus. And then I have a part-time kids person and I have a part-time arts and tech person. And uh, we're set up on the, uh, the I guess, the, the, the solid line uh, reporting structure. Um, and, and, all the, and all the fun and nuance that comes with that. Yes, it is a solid line, uh, but again, we only have two campuses and all of our offices and like the, the the cloud server and the copy machine and all of that stuff is in Waukesha. So we all are in the same building uh, four out of five days of the week. And then um, our team is just in Pewaukee uh, that one day. Uh, and the whole solid data thing, uh, you've been doing this for a while. So it doesn't, it, it, it gets gray once in a while. It gets sticky once in a while. For me as, as the campus pastor, honestly, it makes my job real easy because then I just get to focus primarily on caring for my team, discipling my team, uh, developing them as leaders rather than trying to teach my, you know, middle school pastor how to be a better middle school pastor, because I probably wouldn't give you good advice <laughs> with that or uh, or teach our arts arts leader how to sing better. And you definitely don't want that. So it's been neat. You mentioned um, you mentioned that you had a good relationship with the XP at that church at River Glen, and that's how mm -hmm. you got introduced to this role. Um, and I, and I know this, but I would love for you to kind of, uh, share this with everyone who's listening. So sure. this, you've been a campus pastor for two and a half years. So yep. obviously before that you weren't a campus pastor. So kind of talk to me about like that journey of what you were and then what you are now. And then how did you make that transition into a campus pastor role? Because I think for some people, uh, the position you were in before, can seem like a demotion depending on like how you see your position, your role. Um, but to be fair, like I know plenty of former lead pastors who have later become campus pastors to be, to be great campus pastors. And so I want to hear about your, mm -hmm. what you were before and how you are now and how you made the decision. Absolutely. My man, it's uh, the short version is I lost a bet and uh, this is my penance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I moved to Wisconsin, my family and I moved to Wisconsin in uh, 2014 uh, to serve at a church here in town as the executive pastor. I was their first executive pastor and it was my first time sitting in that seat. Um, my background and my gifting kind of uh, made me a good shape and a good fit for that particular role. And so we said, yes, we packed up, we moved out here and uh, quite honestly, had an amazing season. Um, six and a half years I served in that role and absolutely just loved it. Poured my heart and soul into that church, uh, my heart and soul into that staff, and really just was blessed to be a part of a great season. We watched, in six years, we watched the church double in size. Uh, we went online, we went multi-site, uh, we watched the staff double in size. Um, it was just, uh, it was great. It was, a, it was a wonderful time, a lot of learning along the way uh, that comes with that. Um, and then, of course, obviously, we all we all made it through COVID together. And then about a year, about a year on the other side of COVID, um, it was just really clear that this season was done, um, not for any one specific definitive reason. Um, and with the counsel of a lot of people, my lead and uh, our, uh, our our board of elders and um, several other people, it just was clear this is done. You know, sometimes 
God writes chapters that are shorter than we thought they were going to be. And this one was that. And so uh, we departed and took a few months off, hung out in my wood shop and built stuff and drank coffee and listened to country music for a bit. And um, candidly, uh, I, I wasn't sure that ministry was going to be it for me. I think I, I for, for a minute there, I thought it was done. I was at about my 10-year mark because I served at a church in California before that. And I was in the, the marketplace before that for a long time. You know, the, the left turn into ministry was a surprise, uh, a great surprise, but a surprise. And after 10 years and everything that had happened, um, not just leaving uh, the church I was called to, but, uh, you know, just getting through COVID and the world was different. Um, I just really began thinking, okay, maybe maybe this was done. Maybe it was fun while it was lasted and began at least putting some lines in the water for what might be out there in the marketplace. And um, God also made just made it very clear that, uh, nope, not done with you yet. And that, that was through um, not just the opportunity that presented itself uh, to serve here at River Glen, but um, through the wise counsel of uh, some very gifted people. Um, part of the onboarding process at River Glen is, I mean, it's a pretty extensive process. And uh, they put you on with um, uh, a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in this. and. It's a, I mean, it's probably on par with an FBI interrogation <laughs> and some of the, the the assessments. And they put my wife on the phone. I mean, it, it almost felt like, um, you know, when you when you when you become a church planter, they they put you through quite a rigorous uh, uh, protocol. It felt similar to that. I know it's not nearly as extensive as planters go through, but it was a lot. And um, and I really really paid attention to what uh, what the the guy had to say about just gifting and how this might be. Um, a better fit than where I had served before. And then uh, again, God just uses uses people to do and say great things. Of, of all things, a buddy at the gym, who is a CEO of a company here in town. I've known him for years. I know his family. Um, I kind of made kind of a, uh, an off, offhand crack comment one day, man. You know, don't be surprised if you get my resume in your inbox by the end of the week, man. I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to get out and, you know, explore what, what else is out there. And he got this, he got this look on, on his face. Like I just told him, I, I, you know, I totaled my car or some, some grave thing. And, uh, I said, what, what is it? And he, and he said, and, and you gotta understand before I, I tell you what he said, he's a pastor's kid. Right. And he goes to a smaller church right here in town. He's, he's, he, he's been on both sides of this his whole life. And, Frank, I'll tell you, he just, he said something that still to this day, just talking about it still stings me in the best way. He just looked me right in the eye and says, Jason, the world needs pastors right now. We need pastors. I really need you to, 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 to consider staying in ministry. And I was like, you jerk. <laughs> you're not supposed to tell me that. <laughs> you're supposed to, you know, get back out in the marketplace and go make some money or something. And, uh, he said, no, dude, we, we need pastors. And I really, I sat on that and um, called my buddy Don back at River Glen. And uh, I think I kind of blew his mind. I said, hey, you still looking for a campus pastor? He says, yeah. And I said, I got a wild and crazy idea. He says, what's that? I says, why don't you throw my name in the hat? And he kind of fumbled around his words a little bit. And we talked through a couple things. And, and, then, and then we said, okay, well, I'll, uh, let's touch base next week or something. I said, okay. And I hung up. And that's the funny part of the story is he calls me three hours later and he says, hey, were you really serious about that? Because I haven't stopped thinking about it since you called. I said, yeah, I'm serious. Let's explore this. Let's let's go on this journey. And so fast forward two and a half years, here I am. Um, for the first year or so I was here, I had a lot of uh, a lot of friends ask me, hey, how is it? And 
what's it like? Because it's not only a, 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 a big departure as far as the position goes, but also, I mean, it's a completely different church, different county, different culture in a lot of ways. And uh, um, my answer just kept going back. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. And then probably the most uh, circum or most empirical evidence I could give is uh, a year after I came on staff, my wife came on staff to work with me at the campus. So probably not a better way for me to tell you how good it's going than to tell you, well, I invited my wife to come on staff and work with me. And uh, she's been on staff for now for a year and a half. She leads our kids ministry at the campus. Um, which is an interesting detail, you know, to work side by side with your wife, but at a campus with a solid line. And how does all that work? And it's been it's been great. We can talk more about that if you want. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the, that's how we got here. And I wouldn't change a thing, man. I love it. As a pastor, looking for a ministry job is hard. Every church has different processes and different timelines when you're looking to hire someone. And looking for great candidates as a church is even more difficult. You'll get dozens, if not hundreds, of resumes, and it's hard to cipher through all of them. But what if I told you that chemistry staffing is here to help you with both? Whether God is calling you to begin looking for that new ministry opportunity, or you are a church trying to hire some folks to fulfill some different positions, chemistry staffing is here to help you land at the right church or to land the right candidate that will last in your church for a long time. I really love chemistry staffing. At Practically Pastoring, we have brought chemistry staffing in to speak to our pastors, to learn how to interview better, to make better resumes, and to have good hiring practices. And I have sat on both sides of the table with chemistry staffing. I've interviewed for churches through them, and their team was really helpful, not just representing the church, but asking me poignant questions to discern if that church was even right for me. And my church has been and is currently using them to hire various positions within our church. We hired our current lead pastor through them, and we're now looking to hire a new worship pastor as well. Side note, if you are a great worship pastor and want to work in sunny Milwaukee, Wisconsin, apply and come work with me today. They're great to work with and will help your church answer the questions you need to not just get the candidates to apply to your church, but get the right person at the right role that will thrive in your context. If you want to use chemistry staffing for your candidating process or want to see if chemistry staffing is a good fit for you, go to the show notes and click on the link and set up a time to talk with them today. If you use the link in the show notes, it will help me and help this podcast. But if you click the link, you are also helping yourself and your church make the church hiring process just a little bit easier. Check out Chemistry Staffing today. Hi, everybody. This is Andrew Larson. You might know me from Practically Pastoring, which is one of the other, I don't know, dozen or so podcasts that Frank lends his voice to. If you've ever listened to our little show, you know that we spend a whole lot of time making fun of Frank, not because we don't love him, but because none of us actually understand what it is that a campus pastor does. So we're glad that you're listening to this show. But I also want to encourage you to check out Practically Pastoring because one of the things we discuss time after time is the importance of not doing ministry alone. Practically Pastoring is a great place to connect with other pastors who are going through the same things you're going through, understand what day-to-day -day ministry life is like, and it's also a great place to make fun of Frank. We hope you'll check it out. That's awesome. I, it's uh, it's interesting. I was I was talking to our current XP at my campus at my it's not, not my my church, who um, Michael used to be our 
Yeah, Michael, who used to be yeah. the worship pastor over all the all, over everything here, and um, you know, going from worship pastor to XP doesn't always sound like it, it's a normal bridge to like you know going to that role, especially being like a creative and then working in such what I would imagine being so like detail focused and analytical and stuff like that for like whatever you very administrative. XP. Very administrative. <laughs> and then, and um, one thing I was, you know, I've known Michael now for eight years and, and he precedes me being at this church. And I was talking to him about how, you know, one thing I've always noticed by him as a worship leader is that if you go backstage, everything is neat and organized. Everything's accounted for. Like he's very <laughs> detail oriented when it comes to the bands that are performing and, and, and all he's, he's well prepared. And it wasn't that like going from worship to XP was like he had to completely put on a different hat and kind of work outside of his normal gifting and strengths. It was like a further solidifying of what was already there and just taking yeah. the energy from music and worship bands into what he's doing to the broader church now. And I feel like, uh, you know, one thing as I've been talking to other campus pastors is I, if I were to ask them like, how would you define a campus pastor? Like if you can kind of think of like a single site church that just is one location, where, where do campus pastors fit in those org charts? And it would be like somewhere between an XP and an associate pastor. Like it has like the pastoral heart of an associate pastor that's picking up all the, you know, pastoral care, maybe, you know, meeting with people, working with teams. But then you're also working with some administration stuff that's behind the scenes and you kind of have to be able to kind of carry those two hats. So going from an XP role to a campus pastor role is, is, is actually makes a lot of sense if you have much more of a pastoral heart and wanting to be with people, but still have those tangible administrative skills, depending on what the church needs from a campus pastor, uh, a former XP might be a goldmine in that situation. Would you say that like you brought a lot of those XP uh, things that you learned for those years at the previous church into this role, or are you like no administration? I have, a, I have an admin for that. Like, how, how does that work? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Uh, I, I giggle because my team would probably roll their eyes right now. No, I am uh, pretty structured, pretty disciplined, uh, pretty organized when it comes to all that. That's just me. That's just how God has wired me, um, which makes it great. I do not, uh, I am not currently blessed with any sort of administrative support or support person. So, uh, which is fine. I, I you know, it, it, it's it's good for now. And um, yeah, even as an executive pastor, um, I loved being with people. I loved developing my team. I loved um, really caring for them and challenging them and, and um, treating them as a as a, a whole person. And really wanted to see them uh, achieve not just get the task done, but really become all the best they possibly could be on our on our teams. And then moving them around into the different positions to really say, hey, I think I, I think you could flourish with this. Um, you know, moving the chess pieces. I enjoyed that. And very similarly at a campus, we get to do very similar things, you know. Um, difference being when I was an executive pastor, if I was going to take an hour out of the office to go meet a guy for coffee and talk about life and God, um, there was a tinge of guilt to that because there's some decision not being made or some, um, you know, performance management piece or some meeting I'm missing because I'm out of coffee with a guy. And now instead of feeling guilty about it, um, I have an expense account and a credit card and I get, that's what my job is. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, and it's one of the best parts of my job. Um, I have a little, little pet project in the background I've been working on for the past few months. Uh, just one of those, you know, 
niche ideas you get on the long drive of, oh, that'd be kind of fun to develop is to, you know, what does it really mean to, to, to be a pastor? And not just be a pastor, but be a pastor in 2023, you know, very post-Christian, very high technology, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What, is it, what does being a pastor really mean? And so I, I channeled my inner Rick Warren and I have this little, you know, acronym that I've been working on. And the, the, the P for pastor uh, just means personal. And we get a chance to just be personal with the people at our campus. And I think that's one of the best parts of being a campus pastor is you get um, not just encouraged, but you get um, a, a, a wide open doorway to just go get personal and learn names and understand what's going on with people and what's God doing in their lives and how is God working here and how is God working there and what are they struggling with and what are they asking for prayer for? And, you know, it sounds super simple, but uh, one of my favorite things to do is you're sitting there in the lobby before and after service and somebody comes up, hey, can you pray for me this week? Yeah, what's going on? Well, I got this this big test on uh, on Thursday for my job and it's real important. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. We'll pray for you for that. And, and as soon as they walk away, I type a little note in my phone to remind myself about that. And then sure enough, first thing Thursday morning, I can drop that person a text message. Hey, praying for you today. I know it's a big day. And little things like that mean so much to to someone who goes to the church because, hey, my pastor cares about me. And if my pastor cares about me, maybe God cares about me just as much, if not more. And so little personal connections we get a chance to do all the time, uh, which is wonderful. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. And then also being able to connect people uh, who are having similar stories. We have two gentlemen at our church, one at my campus, one at the main campus, um, who've unfortunately suffered pretty severe head injuries in the last year. Um, both of them have been out of work for a long time on disability, uh, have struggled with everything that comes with that. Uh, as well as being in pain and doctors not having any answers. I mean, their stories are almost identical and they go to the same church, but because they're at two different campuses, they don't know each other. But because I'm aware of what's happening in Waukesha, I'm able to get these two guys together for a coffee just to encourage and for them to be able to empathize at a level that even I couldn't step into. And again, being being given the freedom to get personal, put that, you know, the, the, the P in pastor uh, allows us to do that. And it's just been, it's been wonderful. Yeah, one thing I've been I've been saying for a while now is uh, the 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 blessing and the opportunity about being a campus pastor that lead pastors, um, uh, and and even like single site pastors that churches don't necessarily get the opportunity to is this opportunity to be very priestly with our people and to be very present mm -hmm. with our people. A lot of p words uh, to be to be personal. All those words that you just said. You're preaching, um, baby. Which, go. We got to. I know. Here. I know. I, I should, yeah, I, I'm a little Baptist. I got it. Yeah. So so I guess my uh, uh, my question for you. Uh, that I actually, this is, I don't know if you segue me for this, is, uh, is about gathering people. A big aspect of being a campus pastor is gathering people, whether it is for an event, whether it's for, um, to build relational equity at your, at your campus, like, are there specific, like things that you have woven into the, um, the rhythms of your campus for a relational community or, or how are you connecting people? Is there like a gathering with your volunteers before the service? So t t talk to me about like building community with your people and like, how are you doing that both within the church and with the community around the church? Sure. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll shotgun a few things. So this may be a bit of a long answer. Step in anytime. Um, within the church, it, it is, Simple things like um, very, very high uh, regard for hospitality. 
And so we roll out the red carpet. We spend a good bit of money every single weekend for um, good coffee, a lot of good snacks. Um, part of how we rate uh, a great weekend is how much hang time happened before and after the service. Our second service ends at 11.35 on Sunday mornings, and it's common that there's still people hanging out in the lobby at 12.10, 12.15, um, for no reason other than just talking and just visiting. And you know, we've given them some snacks and drinks to, to kind of foster that. So encouraging that, not, uh, not flashing the lights at them or turning the vacuum on or anything like that. Um, our volunteers, we huddle up before every service, pretty common. Probably a lot of churches do that to celebrate wins and ask for prayer uh, requests and just to uh, cast a little bit of vision and remind them, hey, here's why we do what we do and here's what God's doing and how we can be a part of it. And then uh, the expected ones, you know, we have all different kinds of small groups. Uh, we run Alpha and Rooted. Um, we do a thing here. I've not seen other churches do this. We do a thing called summer active groups. So this is, uh, you know, you get, you know, we've got the group that does pickleball. And so that becomes a small group. We've got another group that likes rock climbing. So that becomes a small group. We've got multiple kinds of bicycling because there's different types of bicycling you can do. I don't know. I'm not a bicyclist, but find an active niche and we build groups around that. And then, um, and then obviously all of our, just our normal small groups as a part of our ministry, always talking about that. Uh, my wife and I finally got to launch our small group this season. So we're really excited about that. Um, we live farther away from my campus than I would want to. Um, only about a 20 minute drive, but as we talked about earlier, it's a different zip code, it's a different county. And in a lot of ways here in Wisconsin, it feels like a, a completely different state. Um, and it's just far. We didn't think anyone in our campus uh, would be interested in driving to be a part of our group. And so I was, I got nerdy and I, I just ran the database and said, tell me all the people on my campus who live in these, these three zip codes and let's invite them and see who'd be interested. And um, God put a great group together. We got 15 adults and 11 kids when they all show up. And so um, the leading by example piece to that, as well as being able to just share stories and victories and that kind of thing. So that's what we do internally. Um, externally, I, I think, and I, I, all the credit goes to the team who was here before me, our campus is just built to connect with our community. Um, to give your listeners uh, some insight, we exist in a building that was about 100, 110,000 square feet. And at one time was a kind of a landmark furniture store. Uh, even now we talk to people, oh, we're in the American Family Building. Oh, I know that building. Well, over the years, that business went out of business and it sat empty and another a commercial company bought it and then began to parcel it out to different businesses. And so as it sits today, if you were to drive to my campus, you have one giant building and within under one roof, you have a battle house laser tag arena. You have a point burger bar and pub and you have an accelerate uh, race car, uh, virtual reality and ax throwing. And in the middle of those three businesses is River Glen Christian Church, Pewaukee campus. And so anybody that we're trying to reach as far as, you know, who, who is like the ubiquitous, you know, Wisconsin dude and what's he doing? on a Friday or Saturday night, he's probably hanging out at this building in Pewaukee and we're right there in the middle of it. So we get a chance to get some visibility and then we do uh, as many events out in our parking lot as we can uh, just to not just connect with the community that's already coming, but then we try to go the extra step and partner up with the different businesses that are there. So give you a quick example. A lot of churches do a trunk or treat type event uh, and you know kick fall off. We did ours at the end of uh, October. Had a huge event, dozens and dozens of trunks, and uh, um, <laughs> the weather cooperated this year in Wisconsin, which was a blessing. Appreciate that. Um, but our our neighbors next to us, the Battle House Laser Tag, we've got a great relationship with them. And uh, out of conversation, they said, "Hey, we'd like to partner with you this year and do an entire outdoor laser tag arena as a part of your event." 
and, and and he's saying would that be okay with you guys and of course we're thinking yeah that'd be awesome so we had we had that going on and we had um we have a coffee vendor around the corner that got that got partnered with us and so all of it trying to just create uh, a, a bunch of energy in the parking lot to uh to attract people and about half the folks that came that night as best as we could assess were folks that had never been on our campus before um which segues to a, another thing we do is it, part of our model uh as far as outreach goes at our campus in our campus model we have given we've been given the freedom to own our own community partners and so the church obviously partners with some some local organizations but then at our campus we've been given the freedom to you pick a couple that really you know you and your team have a heart for and you just own it foster that relationship find out how we can serve how can we get people involved and so one of those uh, partners is a local elementary school that about 70% of the kids that go there are uh, are on support, you know, um, free lunch program. And um, they, they, they live in parts of the city that are very unconnected. And we have a chance to really just to love on and serve them through various drives that we do. And right now, my, my wife is on a part of a team that they're providing a movie night to those to that school every once a month on a Friday night. And so we're at Trunk or Treat to tie these two together. We're at Trunk or Treat. And she's in a costume, a big T-Rex costume. It was hilarious. Uh, but kids are coming up to her. Hey, Miss Val, I met you at at at, at the movie night. Hey, Miss Val from the movie night. And so just seeing real time connections there um, that that began off of the campus that then get solidified on the campus where hey, you're in our house now. We can serve you and let's have a great time and those kinds of things. Uh, all of which we try to do to help get people connected on the campus. You know, your campus sounds like it should have a thousand students for student ministry because you have like so many things right there that would like draw. You don't have to have to go, have a good youth space. You just say, we're going to go play laser tag. We're going to go hear a yep. sermon. And then we're going to go to get some burgers at Point Burger Bar. Like it just sounds like a dream <laughs> uh, scenario right there. Uh, I mean, and yeah, and that was my question. You know, um, when, 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 you know, one tension that I think a lot of multi-sites feel is how do you still keep connective tissue with the you know the mother campus, the broadcast campus, the identity mm -hmm. banner overall, but while, while simultaneously having like a contextual identity in the community? Because I think what what could have campuses fail unless it has such and unless it has like such a really strong you know preacher as the main uh, you know communicator. So think of like the life churches with Craig Rochelle or mm -hmm. like the elevations with Stephen Furtick. Like if you were just doing copy paste campuses and not really contextualizing in a location, it could almost feel weird. Like, oh, you're bringing that Waukesha stuff up into Pewaukee. Like that's not we're not Waukesha. We're Pewaukee. Right. But the fact mm -hmm. that you're able to have this kind of like contextual like community partners that reach into the community and kind of paints that color into your campus, helps your campus mm -hmm. have its own kind of cultural identity while sitting within that um, bigger picture. I guess I guess my question is, is do you ever feel like, and this is a, a million dollar question when it comes to uh, multi-site, is that communication piece. Like, Do you ever feel like you're competing with the central communications alongside what you're trying to do contextually in Pewaukee? Do you feel like there is any kind of tension there or it sounds like what you just said is like the the central uh the broadcast campus has given you freedom to make uh, uh community partners in the area do you like get to have like hey in every service we get three minutes to talk about our context like how does that work in terms of communication what's contextual and what's central 
Ah, great question. Very practical for us. We have a communications department who um, gives out, hey, here on the, on the macro communications plan, here's the two things we need to hit this weekend. Um, thankfully, thankfully, through just time in the seat and enough reps, um, I've been given the freedom. Hey, you, you get there however you want. Just make sure you talk about these two things. Um, so there's a, a, a autonomy there, uh, which I think is good. I think we're allowed to, to put our own personality into it. Um, I don't know where he got it from, but our lead pastor, when he talks about uh, teaching, says, you know, what is a sermon really but truth delivered through personality? And uh, I think we get to do that in the, you know, in the three or four minutes, we get a chance to get up there and cast vision. And for the most part, there's been a, you know, half a dozen times in the two years I've been here where I've said, hey, I really need to, I really need to hit on something different this weekend. Is that okay? And to date, I've never been given a super hard, no, I need you to, you know, here's the lines or whatever. Part of that is just, I think, a high degree of trust. And part of that too, just candidly, is we're only two campuses. You know, if one goes off the rails, the whole organization is not falling apart. It's just, oh, okay, they went, they went and did this thing over here a little bit. And then also too, um, it's been a good couple of years. You know, we're, we're, we're growing well coming out of COVID. There's some momentum. Um, we're seeing new families. We're seeing people taking steps. And so when you have that kind of um, momentum and testimonies behind you, you, you get more freedom that, that comes with that. And uh, uh, yeah, not felt really constricted or held back by any sort of communication mandates. Um, again, because we're able to do it kind of our way. And our campuses really are different. We've got one right on a main freeway, you know, that shares walls with a bar. <laughs> and then our broadcast campus is way out in Waukesha on a beautiful piece of property uh, surrounded by trees. I mean, if anything, this could be a retreat center. It's, it's so, I mean, it's just lovely, for lack of a better term. And it just attracts two different kinds of people. Not that one's better or worse. They're just, they're just different. And um, we've said if, if you, you can visit both of our campuses and chances are, if you go to Pewaukee, you're going to see, you know, some more younger people and probably some more people with tattoos. Uh, my wife and I both fit that category. And so like attracts like, and, and we've been given um, encouragement to be who we are and to lead how we lead. And the, the rest is kind of taking care of itself. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, could you tell me if you think about, you know, if Rivergland plants campus number three or in our network, uh, a brand new person shows up, uh, what would be your best piece of advice you would give to a campus pastor? Anything that you felt like is the best advice that you wish you knew or you want someone else to know in regards to being a campus pastor? <laughs> Drink coffee and get a good counselor. No, I'm just kidding. Not completely kidding though. No, um, that's a great question. I love, uh, I've listened so closely every time you've asked uh, your guests this and I put some, uh, put a lot of thought in and this is the best I got for you. And that is, um, back in January, there was a, an actual campus pastor summit that happened, the national summit that happened out in California. And uh, I didn't even know about it. Somebody else had to send me the link. That's how either covert it was or poorly marketed, one of the two. But either way, it was a fabulous event. The best as any of us could tell those who were there uh, was the first of its kind, which I know you know this. It's just, it's just puzzling. Multi-site's been a thing for, what, 15, 20 years now? And we just finally had our first conference. <laughs> you know, there's one book that's been written, and now, as far as we know, there's one podcast. So thanks for being a, <laughs> thanks for being a pioneer for that. But there was there's 50 of us in the room, um, and from varying different degrees of churches. You know, some churches like mine, uh, two campuses, all the way to I sat at the table with two guys from Saddleback, and so I mean, huge, huge churches. And what was great about it, aside from just you know the community piece, and you know not you know 
completely removing the the feeling that we're on an island and anywhere. No, there's guys all over the country and gals all over the country who who struggle with the same challenges we do and are asking the same questions. All that was great, but there was a theme in the two days. There was this theme that kept emerging from the the the, the speakers, the, the keynote speakers, all the way to the panels to the table discussions. And this would be my answer. You know, um, in the last 20 years or so, there's been this pendulum that's kind of swung back and forth. I'm not saying it's it's bad. It just kind of is where it's been very popular to be a church leader and immerse yourself into corporate literature and corporate leadership. And if I'm going to be a church leader, I got to go learn how to be basically a CEO with a pastor's title. And so we're, we're listening to corporate speakers and marketplace speakers, and we're buying all of those books and we're going to those conferences. And I do think 100%, I, I do think there is a tremendous amount to be gained from that. But I think you spend too much time in that and it flip-flops the, the identity and the priority of what we do in the church. The church um, is much more an organism than it is an organization. And you just care for that differently when, when one is an organism, organism as opposed to an organization. And I kept hearing this theme over and over again through this conference of, it's time to go back to be pastors again. It's time to get good at being pastors again. And so the best piece of advice I would have for anybody coming into this seat, I mean, and there's a thousand things to think about. You know this. There's so many different nuances to the role and the culture of your church and the community you're trying to reach. And I get all that. But my, my, my thing I would want to challenge you is, you know, leadership books are great and all that stuff is great. And definitely work on yourself. But be a spiritual leader with organizational skills before you become an organizational leader with spiritual skills. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really good. I, I mean, one for as as complicated and nuanced as we can talk about multi-site and campus pastors across the country and how, you know, every flavor of multi-site has a different flavor of a campus pastor. The common denominator is that no campus pastor is less than a pastor. Like, right? Like, like there are still pastors that have to pastor. And I think that, like, um, man, I, I mean, it's interesting that you say that. Like, I've been picking that up. Like, even even when it comes to podcasts for pastors or just pastors in general, it's so caught up in, like, these experts that feel very much like market you know, corporate leaders and stuff like that. And, and like, yeah, I mean, there are books that we, you know, we've probably both gained insights on organizational structures and, and, and how to lead with empathy and all this other stuff that like, Oh yeah. Come from the yeah. corporate world. It's really beneficial. There's, there's my bookshelf, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, mine's, mine's over there. I have, the, I have, I have a lot of books and, and it's good, but like, you know, um, sometimes like I do think we get lost. Um, you know, the, I don't know the expression, the tree for the woods, the woods for the tree or whatever it is, yeah. but it's like, Forest we, we kind of miss, yeah, we, we, we kind of miss the point that we're still called to be pastors. And I hope with this podcast, if, if there's one thing from every size church that I've talked to on this podcast is that the blessing and the gift that campus pastors get to have is that we get to be with people. We get to be priests. We get to pastor and walk alongside with people and this unique role of a campus pastor opens up our calendars to be able to just be present with our people. And, and, and if for anything else, that's what campus pastors get to do is get to that. It's we get to pastor people and that's a, that's a gift and a blessing. And that's a good word. Um, you know, get the administrative skills, but, but you are a pastor, you are a spiritual leader and, and that is paramount in this role. So man, I really appreciate and that's what Jason. the world needs. Yeah. That's what we need. Like, like, like your buddy at the gym, we need the world needs more pastors. 
And that and yeah. that's good. That's really good. Hey, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how could they find you? Sure. Love to chat with anybody anytime. Uh, go to our website, riverglen.cc. Uh, you can click on the, the staff page and you can hit me direct there. Otherwise, you can email me, jason.vanderpaul at riverglen.cc. Look forward to talking to anybody. Appreciate it, Jason. Thank you so much for being on the show. Loved it. Thanks for having me, man. Take care.